you're any kind of geek, you're going to absolutely love the Star Wars Rogue One and Valerian trailers that dropped this week. We talk about Microsoft versus Apple and all the dongles you're going to have to buy. And is Apple intentionally slowing down your iPhone? Hmm. Nick goes to BlizzCon as well, and we talk about the entire experience and all of the new updates for the games from Blizzard. Enjoy! We're back! Episode number 10 of The Concession Stand. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, trusted friend, Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm doing great! Episode 10. Wow, we've, we've done a lot of these now. We've been huh? doing this for 10 weeks. Wow. What is that? Two and a half whole months? Oh my goodness. That means that this will be our now 10th Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Ah. Delicious. Look, I am still basking in the light of the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. We're now one week uh, after that has happened. Um I'm still like on cloud nine. It took about three days for that to like really sink in for me, but it finally <laughs> has at this point. I did spend a bunch of money on hats and sweatshirts and pint glasses and all kinds of stuff. Uh, my wife will be very uh, unhappy when all of those things show up on the doorstep within the next couple weeks or so. A couple things I just want to say about the Cubs, uh, looking back and kind of wrapping it up. I will say this. That game had 40 million viewers. 40 oh, million smokes. viewers in the United States, which means that every television of all the televisions in the united states one out of every four was watching that baseball game holy smokes baseball like we've talked about baseball is like dropping in ratings and nobody cares about baseball anymore but there was something magical about that story and that team that everybody was kind of glued in on a couple other things wwe sends a championship belt with like a cubs thing like on the little belt sizes to the uh or the, like the little like you know the big gold deal but then they have like yeah. the little gold like badges on the side of the belt right they had like some cubs logos they sent that to the team uh the cubs received a delicious gift from the kansas city royals apparently every year uh and this has been going back for a couple of years the team that has won the world series in the previous year then sends pizza to the next world uh, series winner so okay. of course the royals who won the last year sends Deep dish Chicago pizza to the Cubs front office. I had never heard about this before. Yeah, I I, I didn't read about it until it was, of course, a story because everything uh, last week up until the election was story about the Cubs, story about the Cubs. Look at this feel good story. Uh, ben Zobris, the guy that won the MVP of the of the uh, of the World Series. Uh, he has a, a home in Chicago. When they got off the plane after winning, there were people outside of his house waiting for him to sign autographs and him being the good guy that he is was outside signing autographs for his neighbors and talking to people. You know, it wasn't like it, he was celebrating it and realized what a big thing this was for the right. city and how everybody was uh, was involved in this. Uh, then they had this parade, which had the seventh largest gathering of human beings in a single place in, in the United States. That's or, absurd. Or is that in history? I don't even know the story. <laughs> but seven million people showed up at Grant Park. Like when the Blackhawks won, there were like a couple million in the streets and that looked like a lot. But this was insane. Yeah, some of the gathering pictures that I saw were just absolutely nuts. Oh, and Steve Bartman, the the classic guy that cost them the World Series in 2003 when he caught the ball, like Cubs fan, he was, uh, according to reports, he was overjoyed, but he did not want to show up at the parade, which he was invited to. He did not want to take any of the focus away from the Cubs, so good on him. Uh, there was also a bet that LeBron James made with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is from Chicago. Uh, if... If the Cubs won the World Series, uh, uh, LeBron James apparently has to wear a Cubs jersey right. to uh, some NBA game or so Cubs warm-ups or something like that. So look forward to that in the NBA, and I never watch the NBA, but I'll watch for that. Yeah. So 
another a number of amazing things that there's stories about Bill Murray being in the stands and people that had you know their phones out and he was getting beers and he was you know like you know people uh, personal accounts of like I just happened to be sitting next to Bill Murray and he bought me a beer or when he got a beer he didn't want to drink it so he turned around and handed it to somebody else and Bill Murray is sort of like the great Hollywood ambassador to the Cubs and everybody loves when he does stuff. So again, uh, it, it was a big week for the Cubs. It was a big week for me as a Cubs fan and many of my family members. So we're still, like I said, basking in the light of the Cubs win. And I don't think they're done. I don't think this is the last one. This team is already reloading. So no, yes. I think it's the beginning of a dynasty possibly in Chicago. I, oh. I think you guys are going to be in the playoffs for a long time coming, much like the Cardinals of the last 10 years. I, I think you guys might actually take over the National League for the next 10 years. Speaking of taking over the National League, you kind of took over a steakhouse because your birthday celebration apparently went all week as well, right? Tell me uh, this story. We you did. told me a little bit of it, but I want to hear about it. Yeah, so my birthday is on October 30th, right? and the girlfriend's birthday is November 7th. Okay. So that week is birthday week. And basically, it was just a week full of, we went to a Kings game, we went to all these fun kind of things. We went out for her birthday, we went out for my birthday. So at the end of the week, we hadn't really done a good sit-down thing. And I went to this, we, we decided we wanted to go downtown and go to a, one of these proper steakhouses that we have in, in Los Angeles. So we went to, uh, shout out to Nick and Steph's Steakhouse in downtown LA. Convenient that it's called Nick and of, Steph's. Of course. And, and that may or may not have swayed into the, uh, <laughs> the decision of going to that place, but I digress. The pictures that we saw on Yelp were just absolutely phenomenal, and believe me, it uh, it really, it delivered when we got there. So Nick and Steph does their own dry aging in house. Quick, here's the quick story. Yeah, you sent me some picture of like these tomahawk steaks or something, right? right? So they call it the tomahawk because it's got this crazy long rib bone blade, oh. and it's this giant ribeye that's like 48 ounces. It looked like the thing out of the Great Outdoors. That's three pounds that's, that made that they made John Candy. Oh, the, right? the old 96er, the old sure. 96er. <laughs> Uh, but you, they dry age their own stuff in this house, and they've got it in a window where you can walk over and you can look in like, you know, oh, my God. <laughs> so here's this thing of all these giant blades, and I'll put this picture up for you guys to see. But these steaks were no joke. Like the, the tomahawk rib chop, 48 ounce, they call it the steak for two. And I bet you could four people could eat off of that thing because that's 12 ounces of meat each if you do that, right? Sure. Uh, it was amazing because you could get a half a lobster, you got a big steak, you got an appetizer, a, uh, your steak entree, sides, oh, uh, and, a, and a full-on dessert, which was like a molten cake in a full-size skillet. Nice. So, I mean, it was gluttony abound, and it just, I mean, yes, it was expensive, but it was a nice treat for the two of us to go out and just enjoy that and some really, really good wine uh, to cap off birthday week. So you got the 24-ounce ribeye something? What it, did you get? Uh, it was the 24-ounce bone-in rib chop. Oh, and it was delicious. So this thing, I can't rave enough. Big shout out to Nick and Steph's. If you live in Los Angeles, you have to go try this place. They're downtown. Uh, give them a shot. Real quick, I know your ability to put away food. Yeah. So of the 24-ounce steak that you got, how many ounces would you guess ended up in your gullet? Uh, 23.8. <laughs> if we count the weight of the bone, uh, you know, we could get into all that stuff. But no, it's... Uh, I ate the whole thing. Nice. I'm going to be honest. Nice. I was I was a big fat pig. Nice. So it was one of the better steaks I think I've ever had. Uh, it came with like this cognac and uh, some glaze reduction or Ooh. something, almost like a bourbon glaze, oh, brandy glaze. It's just absolutely delicious. Can't rave enough about uh, that place and what a great service we had and the great wine selection. It was absolutely the perfect meal to cap off the birthday week. 
So while you were doing that or prepping for that meal, because I think I saw you late that night, I worked like really late that uh, morning leading into your night, and I got up early and I went and saw Doctor Strange by myself, which is fine. Yeah. At like ten in the morning, but I went and saw it in IMAX 3D. Actually, I didn't see it by myself. I saw it with Luke. Um, I went and saw it in IMAX 3D, which uh, I I will tell you after seeing this movie is probably the only way to see it. And if you don't see it in IMAX, definitely see it in 3D. Imagine like Inception with like all the buildings folding over. Combined with like Interstellar and like the weird like, uh, uh, I, I, I that's the imagery that you get. But the movie outside of it and the movie around it is really strong. It has a bit of the uh, uh, Marvel origin story stuff. So it's like you have to set up like Iron Man and he's out uh, of this trouble and then he becomes Iron Man. You have to set up Ant Man and he's a troubled guy and he gets his powers and death. Same thing with Doctor Strange. Cumberbatch kills it as Doctor Strange. This movie's made a pile of money already. Uh, they definitely do a couple of setups and the buttons in the end that sort of set you up that it's going to be a part of this big universe. And it makes it seem like he's going to be in the next Thor movie. So uh, I'm sold. Marvel's happy with Cumberbatch that they waited for him to do this movie. Good job, Marvel. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Again, it's a must-see in 3D. Whether or not you like 3D, it's an experience to see it in 3D. Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And that's one that I'll... But hopefully I'll get to see it before it leaves theaters. Oh, you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, I don't know because I'm getting ready to go on a trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Thanksgiving's coming up. Family's back east. And we decided... You know, I haven't taken a vacation in, like, I don't know, almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a real proper kind of going somewhere exotic and all that kind of stuff. Traveling without to see like family members. You actually want to exactly, go somewhere. Right? Yeah. So the girlfriend and I decided to uh, sign up for a trip to go to Turks and Caicos for the week before uh, Thanksgiving, which is going to be awesome. Which is in the Caribbean, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Turks and Turks sounds like it's Turkey, but it's actually a Caribbean something. <laughs> we're not going to Turkey. Okay. Uh, we're going to the Caribbean. Where basically, I'm packing bathing suits and flip-flops for Thanksgiving, which may come back and bite me in the butt because I'm going to North Carolina for Thanksgiving. It's going to be freezing-ass cold. <laughs> uh, but no, it's that's going to be uh, that's going to be our trip for the year. So, oh, so you, you're going to the Caribbean, then you're going to Carolina for like the tail end for the actual Thanksgiving holiday? Right. Okay. We're going to go drink ourselves silly in the islands, then we're going to go <laughs> eat ourselves silly uh, in the Carolinas for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and then I hope we make it home. It's after like that. that crazy thing where like you're sitting in a hot tub enjoying yourself, and it's like I'm going to go jump in the pool, and like your body temperature is yeah. all hot. <laughs> you jump in the pool, and it's actually not cold, but it feels like it's like two degrees. You're like ah when you jump in the pool. It was shrinkage, I tell you, shrinkage. <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the last thing we want to get into before we get into our big newsy stuff is uh, the Black Friday deals have started showing oh, up. Oh yes, and yeah. I was very uh, excited about some of the stuff. Like normally, I'm not a Black Friday is just mostly useless shit, right? Uh, that you don't really care about. But I got to tell you, folks, I saw the Best Buy advert this morning, and they're doing some really good deals. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time talking about those. I'm sure we can talk about those later. But uh, uh, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, all of the big ones are already starting to talk about uh, all of the Black Friday deals. Three big ones I'll throw out at you. Uh, if you The Skyrim Redux, I think we talked about that last week. It was yep. getting some rave reviews, right? We were excited about it. But Very we excited. The money. Yeah. Uh, if you look on the PlayStation Store today, it's still sixty dollars. Uh, apparently, Best Buy is going to have it for twenty five dollars on Black Friday. So hold off, uh, wait another two weeks, and you'll be able to get the. I'm totally going to go buy that. I can't wait to play that again. Part of me is like hoping that it's, it's like an online availability as well, but you know they're just trying to right. get you in the door. And I live near a Best Buy, so maybe I'll just brave the lines, or whatever. And if there's a couple of copies left, maybe you can do a rain check. But yeah, that's that's a. $35 savings. Yeah. For 25 bucks, I will play Skyrim again. That's probably the best deal going around that I've seen so far. Um, other ones that are that notables that showed up, $800 MacBook Airs. 
The wow. newest generation. Okay. That's uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, also, not to be outdone, of course, Microsoft has announced that they'll have their Surface Pro 4, the latest generation, for $600. And, okay, now you've got my attention, Microsoft. We're talking about this a little bit deeper uh, in the tech news this week. Uh, the Microsoft Surface, turns out it's the real deal. Okay. Yeah. And uh, some of the art, I'll link the article to the show notes. There's some videos in there of um, uh, IGN and other companies doing uh, full demos of that. Remember we, last week we were talking about the 27-inch Surface yep, Pro and yep. it would move down. So they're giving you a full demo of how that works. 20-minute video just shows you all the ins and outs of it. I got to admit, Andy, I'm genuinely impressed. But it's still Windows 10, yeah. which is just not really stacking up to what it what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time uh, just watching over people's shoulders of Windows 10, and I like the design of it. I haven't really played with it. And maybe that's just me being like, you know, looking at Microsoft like a vampire, like, no, don't touch Microsoft. Eh. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of uh, interested and intrigued. And if it's this good of a product and everybody seems to like it, maybe I could try it out. I feel the same way about like Android devices. Like, I don't want to touch an Android device, but like, I've got like a Kindle, and the Kindle has a kind of Android thing. So yeah, but I mean. No, you nailed it. That's exactly the stigma. And it, you know, it, you're, we've been such fanboys for a long time for, for Macs. It's hard to go even try and play with those because you're instantly frustrated because you can't find anything. But you have to recognize that the newer generations that are starting to use this stuff is just that's all they've ever known. So they get it immediately. Where we're just you know old men, get off my lawn. Yeah, you 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 mentioned how much of Apple fans we are, but I would say that in the last couple of weeks on this show, we've we've kind of been questioning some of the stuff that Apple's done. Yes. We've kind of been down on some of the things that they've done. Uh, would you say? And I've read some stuff somewhere. Are they? S- intentionally slowing down like previous gen phones like for instance when ios 10 came out my phone started to run a little bit slower now that's a six now my daughter has my old five and like things just don't work at all yes and at this point apple will not confirm nor deny whether or not they are doing any of this stuff and i doubt they ever will one way or the other but there's some interesting anecdotal evidence that shows google searches for my iphone is slow that align with new iPhone and specifically iOS releases. Interesting. And if you notice, there's always a new version of iOS that uh, that comes out with the new iPhones. Good point. Yeah, right? I never thought of that. So I, I'm a tech guy. I know exactly how my phone, my 6 Plus that I have, has worked for the last two years. And for it to all of a sudden, just in the last week or two, since I've done an update, start to slow down and respond much slower you'll forgive me if i start to just question whether or not they're doing that and, and i think that's what a lot of other people are running into well it's funny because i i'm looking at this rundown that we're doing right now on yep. a macbook pro yep. from 2011 and i have not noticed that much of a slowdown and how many os 10 releases for the mac have we had since then sierra and el capitan and blah, blah, blah. My computer is still a email or whatever device, but I don't see like massive slowdowns over the last five years on a computer. But I do feel it on a phone over the last year, two years, three years. So I think you might be on. Even just there. in the last week, opening something as trivial as Facebook Messenger can take up to ten seconds for it to load up all the way. Really, I, I don't. And that, that is yeah. that is literally that it used to be lightning fast, just instant, and just for it to do that. So. I'm in the camp, I'm in the conspiracy theory camp of I genuinely think that they do something there. And I think this leads into a a bigger discussion around uh, something what's known as comparison neglect. Okay. 
I thought and, you were, were going to say planned obsolescence, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> something along those lines. It's the same thing. There, there's two ways to do this. Apple has a vested interest in moving you forward to the next generation of hardware because it allows them to do more with that in the for the right reasons, right? Sure. That's that, it, a genuine sentiment. They have a vested interest in doing that. So when you see their keynotes, you'll see them come out and they say, uh, we have 90 plus percent of people that upgraded to the latest version of iOS, right? Blah, blah, they brag blah, about blah, that. Blah. So there's, is there a, two things? One, is there a something that they're doing within the operating system to encourage people, oh, my phone's slow, I guess i got to get the new one. That leads to this discussion around comparison neglect. And this really hits home when you see the app people lining up for the new iPhones around city blocks just to get the new phone. Do they really take the time to look into the hardware changes that to where they actually need it, or are they just blindly going to get the new phone, whether it's a status symbol or what, whatever their reason is to be cool uh, to to have this new device without actually breaking down and analyzing whether they need it or not? Good point. I mean, the the term comparison neglect is I'm talking on my phone or whatever, or I'm sitting on a whatever, and I see somebody pick up a phone and I look at it and I go, wait a minute, is that the 7? And they go, yeah, it's a 7, check out what it does. Is that comparison neglect? It is blindly going and getting the new iPhone 7 because reasons. There, oh. There's no there's no justification to get it, it's just to get it, be- oh, to yeah. have it. So you're, you're neglecting you're, it compared to what you have, got it. Exactly, so it may be a negligible difference in performance and way of life for you to, to go and get the new one, and frankly, if you look at it, you know, pragmatically, it's going to cost you a shitload of money yeah. in adapters and new earbuds and all this other stuff sure. that they're changing. And they're banking on that. Make no mistake, they're a business. They're in it to make money. Yeah. They're banking on that. But what you have to realize as a consumer, do you just go out and buy the next version of the Honda Pilot just because one came out? No. Imagine if you did that. Yeah. That's that's ex- that's what comparison neglect is. You you you're not waiting until something breaks to do something about it and be reactive. You're proactively ignoring uh, statistics that may say that well, yeah, you really don't need it. I guess what I was getting into is a bit of a of a different thing. Comparison envy in a way where you're like, oh, that guy's oh, totally. got the newest greatest thing, and then that that applies to anything. That applies to the Galaxy Seven versus the Galaxy Six, not the Note Seven. Nobody has that anymore because that blows up. But uh, that's the status aspect I yeah. was talking about, and that's exactly what you're talking about with cars too. Like, oh, yep. you've got the 2010 Pilot. Damn it, it's got like a it's got a GPS and the Apple Car thing. Well, I better go spend another thirty five forty thousand dollars on a new one. Right, that doesn't happen. That's why people lease cars, in my yeah. opinion, so you can always have the best and brightest and whatever. And sure, but I guess that's that's a whole different thing. But getting back to what you were saying. Comparison neglect. That's a really good point. And you and I are on the opposite side of that. We are both rocking. I'm rocking an iPhone 6. You're rocking an iPhone 6 Plus. I haven't had a reason to upgrade. Nothing Nothing to me. And we were smart enough to maybe say, and we've talked about it on the show, I don't need a 7 right now. What's a 7 going to do that the 6 doesn't? But you're Piss saying... Piss me off. Right. But you're saying Apple is like, you need to get it or your shit isn't going to work anymore. Well, what they're doing in my conspiracy theory head is that they're intentionally injecting some kind of code in the newer versions of iOS that maybe don't run as efficiently or they're uh, writing software that only takes advantage of features and hardware that's available in the newer iPhone, but maybe sure. not. So your phone falls bound to something. I, 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 there is proof. I have, I have tested this just in the last week or two since I've done the 10.1.1, whatever update is out yep, there right now. Yep. It is crawling. And I'm I'm having a miserable experience with my iPhone when two weeks before it was perfectly fine. 
So I don't know what this is all about. I Look, it, we've talked about it enough at this point, but I, I want to investigate it more. Shame on Apple if they are doing this, but we will never really prove it and they'll never admit it. Of course not. Uh, last little thing that came out is uh, th- there's been an uproar over the last couple of weeks since they announced they were. We talked about last week about USB-C and how the new MacBooks were only going to be limiting that, right? And how we were going to have to go out and spend two or three hundred dollars more on a bunch of dongles to convert everything, right? right? Adapters. We had a big discussion about that last big week. Big time. Uh, so they heard us. <laughs> they heard the collective internet go yes. lose their minds. That's right. And they've slashed prices on all of these dongles. Some of them up with a seventy or eighty percent off. Uh, through the end of, uh, up to January 1, through the end of the year, right? Here's the problem. They're still fucking expensive. Yeah. yeah great. I don't have to pay $75 for this adapter, but it's still $30. But it, it comes across that they're making it sound like, look, we're, we're trying to help you out, consumer, but they're not, their profit margin on a, on a cable or a it whatever It probably costs them 75 cents yeah, to make. their profit margin on that MacBook Pro is huge, uh, right? Eh, eh, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of good technology in the MacBook Pro. I will swear that they make all their money on the auxiliary stuff. Sure. I'm still going to buy the next uh, – when I when this computer dies, again, it's five years old, I will still buy another Mac. Of course. Absolutely. But and by that time, maybe hopefully – Maybe we'll get the Microsoft Surface Pro laptop thing. <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've talked about this at length. Well, hopefully by then, the, the devices will have all caught up. Everybody will be using USB-C instead of the standard, more traditional USB ports. And at that point, it's all moot, and we can quit talking about this, and it's everything will just go away and go back to normal. It sounds like a big fight between Apple and Microsoft, but you know what? We really need to break it down. Break it down! Oh, that means it's time for this week's WWE update. Uh, look, <laughs> we're going to start out with the dirty stuff first and, and the bad stuff, and then we'll lead into the good stuff, and then maybe we'll end on some more bad stuff. Because, look, is, is the WWE's stuff? messy ah. right now. There's not a lot of good going on with what's happening, but uh, there's a silver lining, I think. Um, look, the, the quarterly call happened for the WWE. Mr. McMahon came out, and he said, Oh, the WWE Network's doing great. Year <laughs> over year, subscriber numbers are up. <laughs> Uh, but quarterly, if you look at the details, they're actually down quarter over quarter. I love your Vince McMahon quarterly call voice because that's hilarious to me. <laughs> Does he fire somebody on that quarterly? You're fired. You're like, fired. Some random dude's like, but I, uh, but our stock is up. You're fired. Like, I, I just think that's funny. The Sorry. CFO starts giving, finishes giving his advice. <laughs> You're fired. Sorry. Anyway, uh, look, there's too many friggin' pay per views happening right now, right? Yeah. And, and I think that that's you know. Uh, what do they call it? Pay-per-view fatigue. I think we're just tired. There's Now that we've got the brand split, there's two every month. Ugh. So by the end of 2016, we will have had 15 pay-per-views for the year of 2016, right? It's just too much going on. So what he said on the call was, yes, to address some of these issues, we're going to reduce the number of pay-per-views that we're putting out throughout the year. We're going to increase our investment in original content because that's where the the following and the um, the numbers seem to be coming from. It's not just the pay-per-views. So there's the Mick Foley show. There's Talking Smack. There's all the animated stuff they're doing. All of this original content, funny enough, yeah. that has nothing to do with Matt Wrestling and the, the, the actual t- uh, TV shows, live TV shows, is what's garnering the numbers for WWE Network. And I found that really surprising. Now that you say that, I think about that for a second. So uh, if you're subscribing to the network, which we do, uh, for $10 a month, right? You and I pretty much subscribe to that to get the pay-per-views, and now we're getting 15 times $60 a year. What is that? In my in my head, that's, what is that? Uh, I think that's $90, 90 $900. So, yeah. Right? 15 times 60 is 900 right? We're paying... 
120 to yep. get $900 worth of just pay-per-view stuff. So I think what they're saying is, okay, uh, we've got to get some reason for you to watch. But you can't watch Raw, and you can't watch SmackDown Live on the network, but you got to watch something. What they're trying to do with this uh, program that you're talking about is to get people to watch programming on WWE Network instead of Netflix, Hulu, whatever it is, because... You, you only have a certain amount of time to watch stuff. So I, I, I think that they might be onto something there, yep. but is is that enough to... Yes, it's good for the hardcore wrestling fan like us, but again, I only watch the old stuff. I don't care about the Mick Foley show. I don't care about the whatever. It's cute. It's fun. Total I, Divas is a big hit, and they're spanning that we're out. We're not and, the you target know. market. I get no, what they're trying right. to do. No, I mean, the idea is, look, parents trust WWE now at this point since we've gone through the PG yep. era. Yep. You can let your kid watch as much WWE stuff and that's certainly part of it as well, right? All of that stuff is going on in the background as well. The last thing here is that with all of this new original content, there's speculation that they're trying to take an ESPN approach with all of these different variety shows. So now they're talking about potentially having Paul Heyman and JBL do a show that's kind of like Pardon the Interruption on ESPN. Okay. There, and I see that, right? Uh, Taz, who has a somewhat controversial podcast talking about bringing that onto the network and and syndicating that there. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that they're talking and I'm, I'm kind of on board with this. Yeah. More content, more content, right? Content is King when it comes to that kind of stuff. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited about it. I think it's one of the best deals. I get more entertainment out of that than, than anything in between that and Hulu and Netflix. I'm set. I don't need a cable thing anymore. I agree with you. Um, all right. So let's talk about some actual wrestling stuff. Um, Survivor Series is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's usually it's the, it's one of the big four every year. Yep, uh, it's the final one of the year of the big four. Uh, now that we've gotten to the, towards the end of 2016, and with the brand split, it may, gives it an interesting twist. And what I want to say here is that now we've got Raw versus SmackDown rather than one giant wa- roster in a in a pay per view. Yeah, so some interesting things have happened. Now we're going to have the top five men and women of Raw versus the top five men and women. Of SmackDown in, in, the sep- same, in, the same in separate match- matches. Okay, okay, separate, matches. separate matches. Oh, yeah. So it's a five on five times two for Raw versus SmackDown. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you have to the, admit. And it's elimination rules like the old Survivor Series original yes. thing. Like you wait until like there's one guy or like, Correct. the last man standing from one side wins. Right? Yes. Or last two people or three or whatever it is. Okay. So I remember a couple of last year's Survivor Series. I think it was uh, Ziggler that pulled out the miracle and, uh-huh. and all that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, Survivor Series is always, those matches are always a lot of fun. The elimination matches like that. Um, so the other thing that's going to be on, I mean, of course, you're going to have the tag team versions of those matches. Uh, there's a lot going on. The The last big thing I want to say, L- Lesnar Goldberg is a big deal. I, I still I, that's one of the things I do want to see, regardless of the outcome. And they've, they've, they've sold me. I know they've sold me. <laughs> they've sold me. Sorry. Continue on what you were talking about. <laughs> no, I mean, Lesnar. Yeah, I, it's novelty, though. It's not. It, 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 I, I think it's going to be a novelty thing. Do, do, is, is there any way that. Goldberg beats Lesnar. Hell it's, no. It's like when Tyson fought Holyfield. It's like, well, they yeah. were they were not at the top of their game, but it's like, oh, I want to see it. And then like some crazy thing happened. Like, yeah, Lesnar's going to bite uh, Goldberg's <laughs> ear off, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or his nose. I don't know. I still want to see it. And it's, I'm not paying 60 bucks for it. I'm paying 10 bucks for it. Might as well see it. Right. So the last thing I want to uh, kind of hit on here is what's happening with now they're doing the inter-show kind of uh, rivalry things, right? And I love it. So two things happened. One... They pitted Sami Zayn of Raw against Dolph Ziggler of SmackDown. Ziggler is currently the Intercontinental title holder, right? So if Sami Zayn wins, that means the Intercontinental title moves 
to Raw. That's a big deal if you okay. think about the titles okay. that are held by each. And I like where this goes when you start uh, bragging. It gives you bragging rights, right? It's, it's a thing where you can compare the titles because SmackDown also has the WWE World Championship. Mm-hmm. Raw had to go create a whole new one, the Universal title, right? The other thing that said that was said because of this was Daniel Bryan came out on SmackDown and he said, well, because you guys are you know letting us do this, Here's we'll throw another one. We'll put our cruiserweight guy against your cruiserweight champion. But if our guy wins, the entire cruiserweight roster comes to SmackDown. Okay. And everybody was like, oh. <laughs> it's like one of those high school things where you get called out and you got to go out to the parking lot to fight and yep, you just stand there. And yep. Anyway, so we're going to have a cruiserweight title match between Callisto of SmackDown and Brian Kendrick's of the Raw roster, or the current, the current cruiserweight, current cruiserweight champ, champion, right? right? Who recently dropped it, uh, or took the belt from TJ Perkins, right? So I think that's going to be a really good match. So there's a lot going on that we're looking forward to with regards to Survivor Series. Uh, it's coming a week from Sunday, so November 20th. You got that coming out. Uh, don't forget NXT TakeOver is also going to be going on. It could potentially be as big, uh, some would say as bigger, than uh, potentially Survivor Series. I don't, I don't know if I believe that, but... Bottom line is uh, we're going to have a really good Survivor Series. There's a lot going on, and uh, stay tuned for more info on that after uh, the 20th. So while you're face down uh, in in Turks and Keiko, wherever (laughs) the hell that is, in your flip-flops and shorts on November 20th, I'll be in Los Angeles watching the the Survivor Series. You'll see it when you get back. I'm excited about it in a weird way, Uh, but I, I, yeah. What was the last pay-per-view you watched? You actually sat down and watched all four hours of it. I, I I don't get to do that. I you know I have I have kids, so it's not like I can sit around and watch wrestling. What I do is typically the next day, uh, hear what the good matches were, and then I'll go back and watch specific matches. Gotcha. Do you do that on YouTube, or you go back and actually scan through the whole pay per view? Well, the, network? The, the the network does the the thing where they do like the like when you when you get the scroll bar for the the three hour or four hour block, they have um, little dots on it that you can pick the match that you want to watch. So gotcha. I, I try to figure that out. Cool. And here's the thing I want you to watch, listeners. There was an international Rogue One trailer that was dropped today, and I don't get why there's an international trailer that's better than the American trailer that we get, but you have to admit, Nick, the international trailer for Rogue One was amazing. This is what I wanted Star Wars to be. This is why I was excited about the return of Star Wars. Not because we're going to see friggin' Han Solo and... Yes, he dies. Leia and Luke Skywalker. (laughs) All the fanboy masturbatory crap that was Episode 7. It was fun to watch, yes. It was a novelty. It should have been a TV movie. But I digress. We still disagree, but fair enough. This... This is what the return to Star Wars should be. And if you, I cannot wait for all of you to see this trailer. If you haven't yet, shut up and take my money. Yeah. This is exactly what I... The return to that world yeah. in a completely tangent yet relatable way, still related to the building of the Death Star and all that stuff. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Hit pause on your iPod or whatever you're listening to us on right now. Go to YouTube and watch the Star Wars Rogue One International trailer. And now you're back. And so. you're back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was awesome, right? Because here's the thing. It actually tells you the story of the movie you're about to go see. 
without giving too much away. Yes, there's an extra shot of Darth Vader, and yes, there's an extra thing, but they actually tell you the story of what this is, kind of. It's and it's then, kind of just Darth Vader doing a blink and turn. Then she's though. I mean, wearing like a necklace with a crystal on it, so like I wonder, is that a lightsaber crystal? Because <gasps> that's the thing. So a lightsaber is based on a crystal that's inside of the lightsaber. But we've never seen that or had that explained in I any know. of the other seven movies. I know, but like that's if if you're a Star Wars super geek like we are. When I saw that crystal, I turned to you and I said, hey, that's the, is that a lightsaber crystal? We don't know, but I want to know. I, I didn't even know, think about that I when I watched it. I can't wait to see it. And here's the weird part. We're only like four weeks away from that movie actually coming out. Uh, yeah. Uh, is it Christmas or is it? December 16th. It is oh November 10th. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will tell you about another one, though. See, absolutely go watch that trailer. And, of course, you did because you paused it when we told you to and you went and watched it. And you're geeking out. As hardcore as we are right now, because it's that awesome. Another one that came out that I didn't see coming from anywhere. Yeah, was uh, the Luc Besson movie, famous for you know the several fifth, movies, The Fifth Element, Fifth uh, Element, professional, Lucy, Professional, La Femme Nikita, uh, all of that stuff, right? That we all love. Um, dropped the was it Valerian in the Valerian. city, Thousand Cities, or something like that. Yeah, and we talked about this a couple of episodes ago when he came out at one of the Comic Cons and said, "Yeah, I got this thing that's based on a graphic novel called Valerian." And we're like, "What's Valerian?" And I'm like, "I think it's a graphic novel and whatever." And he said, "Like, oh, the Fifth Element had this many effect shots, and this movie has like two thousand five hundred effect shots." We're like, "Oh yeah, that sounds great." And we were all excited about Luc Besson's new sci-fi movie because we're both fans of the fifth element we just before recording this show uh we watched this trailer and i and you and i were sitting next to each other and you'd seen it and what was did you look over at me and i was like wow what is that what's this for sci-fi geeks for people that like sci-fi and space and and visual images that just scream sky sci-fi to anybody if you watch this trailer you're like oh okay that's for us for me, this was Avatar in space in a yeah, weird way. Yeah, yeah. There was an element oh. of that kind of just otherworldly thing that only Luke Besson can really deliver, maybe outside of Lucas in Star Wars and stuff like that. There was that whole element of kind of Avatar interacting with, you know, and, and CG animation interacting with uh, human actors that was... That that I haven't seen since Avatar. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it just looks it looks so cool, and we don't. It's it's a teaser. We don't really know what the story is. We see that there's a human element, and the humans are dealing with aliens, and that's great. But I I, I have a lot of trust in Luc Besson to to show us and and to, to make something that we are going to care about. Yeah. And another trailer that we just watched, uh, Wonder Woman trailer, the the big one dropped this week. What are your thoughts? Because I, I I know where I'm at with this. You know the the music's cool. It gets you going. Yeah, uh, you get little sneak peeks of the whip. You, we didn't see the invisible jet, but maybe in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's my take on it. Look, they're trying to ground it in reality when it's something that's fantastical and unrealistic. But it's a movie, right? But at the same time, I just I can't get behind Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I'm sorry. I just she's not the big beefcake Amazon that Wonder Woman was supposed to be. The the strength and all that stuff. Is she rely she's got the moves, she's got all of the the lines and all of that stuff fine. I, I just I don't I'm excited to see it. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited for that part of the DC universe to come about. She's a very important part of that world uh going forward. So I 
for me, it's Gal Gadot. I, I've had a problem with her casting from the beginning, and I stand by that today. Fair enough. I disagree with you on this. Here's the thing. So in Batman v Superman, whether or not you like that movie or or love that movie, and I'm again on the fence. There's certain things I like. Whatever. They show that like that black and white like grainy photo of her with Chris Pine, which which sets the groundwork for what this movie is going to be. And and as we're watching the movie, we're like, what's that story? This movie and this trailer apparently is going to tell that story of how Wonder Woman became to be. Yep. And it looks like it's in the past, and I don't know how they get her from there to where we're at now, but I want to know, and I want to see it, and I'm a big fan, as a father of two daughters, of a strong female character in a movie that we can get behind. And Wonder Woman, historically, is one of the strongest female superheroes there is outside of maybe Supergirl in comic books. Right. So... I'm all for it. I want to see it. I hope it's not as bad as they say it's going to be in that crazy like Suicide Squad thing that the, the Warner Brothers like leak thing. But I'm I I am excited about this movie, and 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 we have to wait again another seven months for this to come out. But I think that that trailer nails the feeling of it. Uh, they definitely got the action down. Yes, we won't see an invisible jet. Maybe we will. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see one in World War One yeah. time frame, right? I'm on the other side of this, and typically I like anything with superheroes, but still, I- I'm I'm thrilled about it. No, I'm I'm I completely agree with everything you said. I just think she's the wrong one. Okay, I, you know, I, fair enough. I, I think they could have cast somebody that was a little bit more of a fighter and okay. not so elegant. Okay, I guess is where okay. I where I wanted to go with that. I, I will I will wait to see what what we get. And, I, I and agree. I, if any lesson I learned uh, specifically with DC and with Batman, it was I I prejudged uh, Ben Affleck. Yep, so did absolutely I. So loved did I. him as Bruce Wayne in Batman. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt for now. I liked what I saw in Batman versus Superman with her. So you know, I just I. I don't know. She just feels wrong. So we'll we'll talk about it. She's in... not my Diana from Wonder Woman <laughs> there of you old. Go. Right? There you go. So we'll talk about that in June, which would be uh, four times six. Times. That'll be 25 episodes from now. So in episode 40-something, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> okay. the Wonder Woman and our reactions to it after we see it in IMAX 3D. So here's the thing. We are best of friends, but we don't always agree on everything. Right. Um, there are things that you like more than I like. There are things that I like more than you like. Uh, one of those things to me that you have always been a big fan of and I just haven't caught on to is games from Blizzard. You're a huge Warcraft fan. Uh, you're a huge Diablo fan. And I, while I've dabbled in those games, those things have never really like caught on with me. And it's probably because we haven't played those games together. However... I will say, and I will always respect what Blizzard has done and how important they are in the gaming landscape. And you had a chance this weekend to go to BlizzCon. Luckily, we live in California, and people travel around the world to go to this thing. It's BlizzCon. So it's a convention of just Blizzard games. We're talking Warcraft, StarCraft, Diablo, Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, and now Overwatch. Please, I'm just going to sit here and listen Tell me about your experience of going and being a part of that. There are three parts to this story that I really want to tell today uh, because we're kind of dedicating this time to to Blizzard and everything. The first part of this is, look, this was the 10th BlizzCon. Ten years they've been doing BlizzCon now, since 2006. It was also the 25th anniversary of the founding of Blizzard in 1991, right? When we got Warcraft, Orcs, and, Hero- Orcs and Humans... In 1992, 
That was the Warcraft is that old. Wow. 1992. Wasn't it a tabletop game? Uh, it, I don't think so. I think it was inspired I'm thinking by of War, Sorry, I'm thinking of Warhammer, right? Oh, you're thinking of Warhammer, yes. Sorry. Which is still a fantastic tabletop game. So the first thing that came out was in the keynote, opening keynote of the show, they played this 25th anniversary kind of thank you video to all the fans, right? And it I, it gave me a moment of pause because never before had I realized how many memories and milestones and timelined life events had happened over the course of me playing Blizzard games. And, and I really took that to heart because if you go all the way back to some of my, some of my memories along that timeline real quick, uh, my first experience in college building a computer for playing games in 1995 was just so that we could play uh, Warcraft 2, my first exposure to it, uh, over the LAN via IPX SPX, if you remember that, right? Then Diablo came in 96, and Diablo 2 in 2000. And uh, where I was, what I found, my the long story short here is, I found myself instantly transported back to wherever I was whenever those those milestones were happening for Blizzard, I have certain memories and things that were tied into that. And it choked me up. Um, I spent most of the 2000s, the, especially the second half of the 2000s, running a guild uh, in World of Warcraft. And yeah. we were a top 100 rating guild uh, in the U.S. I remember I remember when, when you lived with me, like you, would, you were playing Warcraft and I wasn't as into it as you were. But right. I remember how important that was and how big of a deal that was. And I didn't get it then. But as I've started to become more of a social gamer, I get it now. Sorry to interrupt. I, just tell me more stories. No, it, it's just, and you're exactly right. It has everything to do with the social stuff. And uh, that's what I want to hit on. And there's some other bigger bigger item topics to talk about when it comes to those kinds of things. But BlizzCon itself for me is you walk in the door and it's from the left side of your vision to your right, everything Blizzard. And all the titles that you just rattled off, there's giant banners of each of those titles uh, hanging up in their sections. And you walk in and you look to the left and there's Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm, World of Warcraft, center in the middle. And then there's uh, Hearthstone and Starcraft on the far... Just completely, your entire panoramic peripheral is is encompassed by all of these games. So here's some statistics for you. Ten years ago, uh, Blizzard lived and died, basically, by World of Warcraft. Right. Uh, the, the company was potentially going to succeed or fail that's on what, that's World of I, Warcraft. That's when I was playing it. Right. So 2006 to 2010 was arguably the peak of World of Warcraft. It's it's still going, and they're still doing tons of great stuff with it. We'll talk about those here in a little bit. But what you have to realize is that from they went from kind of a one-game company. Yes, they were doing StarCraft and Diablo off to the side, blah, blah. But it was essentially World of Warcraft. Where we've come now is they have six of the biggest titles for video games in the world, if not ever. And they've encompassed every single vertical of gaming. They have World of Warcraft, which is an MMORPG. They have Diablo, which is a traditional RPG. They have StarCraft, which is a RTS, a real-time strategy. They have Hearthstone, which is a trading card game. They now have a first-person shooter game called Overwatch, which is a lot like the one of the most beloved first-person shooters, Counter-Strike, and uh, the Team Fortress game mode. And they've got a bunch of different stuff coming for that. And lastly, they now have a MOBA, 
to compete with League of Legends called Heroes of the Storm. So they have now completed the gamut of just about every game. So now instead of being a one-game company with, uh, with World of Warcraft, they now have insurance, you could say, or coverage, a diversified portfolio, if you will, of just about every kind of game anybody could want to play. Yeah, it's a high-profile game that billions, if not millions of people, are playing in every single style of game. Yes. There is not another game company that does that. No. Rockstar has their sandbox games. Bungie has their first-person shooter games. Uh, Nintendo has their Zelda and whatever games. But nobody has a, like you're saying, a, call it a portfolio yeah. of this is what we've got. And they're all top-notch. Yes, they are all some of the, the and they like I said, they have six of the biggest titles in the world right now. So when I first walked into BlizzCon this weekend, that really punched me in the face, big time. Two things, that did and the focus on esports, which I'll save till the end because I want to give that a little bit of time. Um, but the coverage that they have across this entire industry now. Look, there's some quick details I want to go over for each of these, but one more thing I want to hit on. Um, there was an article that came out a couple of weeks ago where Google has uh, artificial intelligence research going on, and they're partnering with some of these other companies that are out there. One of them is called DeepMind. DeepMind okay. is basically designing AI to be logical and smart and interact with itself. They've gotten that far. They can figure all that stuff out. What they're doing now is they're teaching it to play StarCraft. Huh. That is intriguing to me in ways that... Uh, are they creating Skynet? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> have, yeah. they, have they not seen Terminator? Yeah, you we're, know? we're teaching an AI to play a real-time strategy I mean, DeepMind is run by a Russian guy. I don't know if he's been locked in Siberia playing StarCraft for the last <laughs> 20 years, but, but buddy, you need to go watch Terminator because that shit's scary. Anyway. If you haven't watched Terminator, you shouldn't be listening to this show, but sorry, go ahead. So they're doing all that kind of crazy stuff. Look, I want to hit on some of the things that each of the games are are bringing to the table and if this gives you any kind of idea of the payload that are that they're doing in this, um, Overwatch was arguably the most popular thing at Blizzard, BlizzCon this year. I didn't see that coming at all. And you were not an Overwatch fan. I didn't play it as much because I, I don't know. I didn't. I generally don't like first-person shooter games on consoles. I am a traditional. I played a shitload of Unreal Tournament and those and, and Counter Strike on mouse and keyboard. But even Destiny to me gives me trouble because of the thumbsticks, okay. right? Okay. And I just I don't do as well as I do on a mouse and keyboard. You do pretty good. Well, I I do okay. I I stick around. But my point is is that I it, one that was a detractor for me for Overwatch. Two, it's not available on Max. And you know we all this Mac gear sitting here that's super powerful and I can't play it because they don't develop on it. My my point is is that, that was those were all detractors. Uh, what I found when I went to BlizzCon was I I was able to pull one of the guys aside and he said, "Well, you played World of Warcraft, right?" And I said, "Yeah." Well, what did you play? What did you did you raid? Did you PV? I said, "I raided." Well, what did you play? I said, "Well, I I was a priest. I I was a raid healer." He says, "Well, what are you playing when you play uh, Overwatch?" He says, "Well, you know, usually I I jump in. I play Pharah. I like rocket launchers." So I to, he goes, "Well, have you tried healing?" No. Well, you know there's healers in Overwatch. Mercy. Yeah. He says, you should try and play Mercy. Oh, there you go. And I said, well, what'd she do? She goes, just go back and try it. So I went to the demo station, sat down, and I was there for probably two hours healing on Mercy. And I can say that it was funny to fall back on 
my raid healing roots right. uh, in World of Warcraft that really drove me into wanting to invest time in a game uh, healing in uh, Overwatch. So I've been playing. I've probably pay, played ten hours this week of Overwatch just because of that experience and have being exposed to it. It's interesting because they they kind of. I would say they kind of marketed that game as like a first-person shooter to not necessarily compete with a Call of Duty or a Destiny or whatever, but that was the way it was marketed. I mean, the, the cover of the box is, is Tracer with the two handguns, like firing, 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 it, and, and, and it's a first-person game. And it took me a second to kind of like get on board with the whole like uh, playing around, uh, uh, like because immediately I'm like, I'm going to be Soldier 76, or I'm going to be D.Va, who I still but play D.Va. Because I like... When I'm in that first person mode, my instincts, just like yours, were to shoot guns at people and get them eliminated. Right. And then I realized, well, maybe I could play Mercy. And like you'll get to that like screen where it's like, oh, we need a healer or we need a we need a it tells you what you're missing, which is great. But and then they got the highlight reel and all that stuff. But yeah, sorry, I'm off on a tangent. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, it was the most thing, most important or. So, like I was saying, yeah, it to me it looked like the most popular thing. The lines were longer in the demos. The lines were longer in the tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I again, still no max support. I, they're going to have a big free play weekend uh, this coming weekend or next weekend. Yeah, for Overwatch. Yeah, on the 18th, starting for Overwatch, they're going to have a free play. So, if you haven't tried it, you can do it completely free on PC or console. You can try any of these games, download it for free, play it all weekend. Uh, for free. And yeah. Give it a try. It's a good deal, and it's a good selling point by them. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is uh, Diablo. There was a lot of hype leading into Diablo for maybe another, the next sequel, Diablo 4. Uh, the weeks leading up to BlizzCon, there was a lot of speculation about whether we were going to get it because there wasn't a lot that was going on. I can report that we're not going to get Diablo 4 uh, just yet. There was really no talk about it. No sequel or expansion pack in the near future that was even discussed. But... They're bringing back the Necromancer. I have no idea what that means, but that sounds like a big so deal. So Diablo 2, arguably the most popular character to play in Diablo 2 uh, throughout the 2000s, and still today, if I'm guessing right, is the Necromancer. I remember you playing that when we lived in Charlotte. With Neil, yeah. Yeah. So it was a fantastic. That was my favorite class to play. Maybe second only the Barbarian, but they were pretty on par with each other. Uh, so that's coming back. The trailers look awesome. I had a chance to sit down and play it. It plays beautifully. It plays a lot like the Witch Doctor, uh, if you're familiar with uh, with Diablo, and you'll yep. really enjoy the Necromancer uh, playing that out. Uh, World of Warcraft, look, the, Ian Hazakastas got up there, and he he's the lead game designer for World of Warcraft. Uh, he gave up and gave a ton of stuff that's coming out, and an over. I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but the overarching theme is content, content, content. They are just going to continue to release more and more content on a more rapid release date uh, pace, and that's how they're going to keep it alive. They're continuing to make World of Warcraft into a very dynamic world. It's not just about logging in, doing your chores, raiding, and logging off. They're trying to, what I feel like is they're trying to get people more and more invested into the game to spend more time in that world. So, not much to talk about when it comes to World of Warcraft other than stuff that's coming very, very soon, as is trademarked by Blizzard. They never really give release dates, they just say, soon. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Uh, Hearthstone has a pretty big update coming as well. There's going to be 132 new cards coming uh, for all this stuff. The big thing that they're going to be doing also is class factions uh, available to it. So basically to boil that down, what it means really quick is that you can have specialized cards that are only available to classes within your faction. 
So mages, priests, and warlocks are going to be in a faction, much like a, like a casters kind of faction. Yep. And there's going to be specialized cards that are only available to mages, priests, and warlocks, right? So that's going to be really interesting. The other part is the card factory where you can begin to create your own custom cards. Interesting, okay. Uh, with your own abilities, your own spells, your own mana spenders, and all those kinds of things that are, that are on there as well. So a lot of that stuff is going to come out more and more uh, over the next few weeks, I believe. Uh, but that was Hearthstone. I've intentionally saved Heroes of the Storm to last because, look, it, it continues to grow. And one of the most popular esports platforms of the last few years has been League of Legends, which is a very similar MOBA style of uh, of game where you have a team of five right. uh, that try to that you can have five on five tournaments that have lanes. And you have all the all this stuff. It's, if so, if you're familiar with League of Legends, that's what Heroes of the Storm is. Except all of the characters are from the Blizzard universe of cool. games. Cool, really, really cool concept there. The reason I wanted to save this one till last is because they've had an amazing 2016. They've released over 19 new characters from the Blizzard universe that you can play. They've introduced uh, multiple maps. They've brought some old ones back. They've modified matchmaking probably to the best level with their ranking system and matchmaking that I've seen. I mean, Destiny still hasn't nailed it, no, but I think Blizzard never, has finally will. nailed matchmaking. And it's funny to me that Bungie still struggles with it with Destiny because it's Activision, and they should they, don't they talk? Yeah, they should talk to each other. Like, hey, Blizzard, how do you guys do matchmaking? Oh, well, you do it this way. Oh, okay, well, we'll fix that in Destiny. Call nope. Them. Yep, call the Warcraft guys. They know. Yeah. Hey, so Bungie, yeah, give those guys a call. They've yeah. they've dicked it. They figured it out. Um, Hearth- Here's of the Storm to me has the potential, and I, you heard it here first. <laughs> Here's of the Storm to me has the potential to be Blizzard's biggest title. Okay, and, and there's a very specific reason for this because of the team based play, yep. because of the amount of characters and diversity that you can play, the amount of the in game economy, all of that stuff that's going on. But most importantly, the esports ramifications that that game has that's huge is absolutely massive, right? StarCraft, in a way, has run its course, in my opinion. And, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. We've been doing StarCraft Worlds, WCS for StarCraft, since Brood Wars in 2001, I think was the first one. Sure. Maybe 2002. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer we can get into the crazy Koreans doing the crazy micromanagement of all the different resources. And if you watch any of those tournaments, not the feed, but the actual gameplay of the player... It is manic because they are going so fast. I don't think I think it's plateaued. It's gotten to the point where it's going to get, and those guys aren't going to go much faster. Heroes of the Storm is a five v five team tournament where you have five people and two different teams on the same stage playing against each other. I think League of Legends is massive right now. I think Heroes of the Storm is going to get that big, if not bigger, worldwide over the next couple of years, and frankly, are going to lead us into. What 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 will be mainstream esports? The biggest thing, one of the biggest takeaways from BlizzCon this weekend, ESPN was there. Yes, they were because they're into major league gaming and esports. They had they realized a, that's the future. Yeah, they had a commentator desk. They had a, a panel of four people, just like they were covering Sunday or uh, Sunday football. And they were analyzing and breaking down all the teams just like they would for professional sports. I was blown away 
But the ESPN has an entire esports division. Come to find out, yes, people will people will say that this is ridiculous that they're doing it. Yeah. But it, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, listeners, and I've told my friends, and they think it's ridiculous. But this is the future. Yes. So every single one of the games of the six titles that I've rattled off had an esports tournament this weekend at BlizzCon, a finals, a wow. world championship, a final. So what most people don't know is that quarterly throughout the year, there are local and regional tournaments and entries to get into these ladders to compete for the penultimate prize at BlizzCon to be flown in and play against for in the top semifinals and finals for each of these titles have their own ladder system. This is massive what's going on in the underground, and most people aren't really aware of, of what's happening with this unless you directly follow esports. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to be underground much longer, especially if ESPN and these people are covering it. Completely agree. And, and one of my biggest takeaways from this weekend was how the show itself over the last few years have transitioned from being a showcase of new content and new games to, oh my God, here's all our esports tournaments. Because that was the focus point of each of the different areas of the halls in Anaheim's Convention Center. Every single one was almost dedicated to the finals tournaments of each of the respective games. There were probably 10,000 people watching the StarCraft World Championship uh, finale Well, in two, this double-decker kind of stadium seating. Two weeks ago uh, at Staples Center, there was a Staples Center full of people watching people play uh, an esports game. And I don't know the specific game they were playing, but I was working on a show, and the camera guy said, I haven't been to sleep yet. I'm like, why? Because I worked the thing at the Staples Center last night. And the Staples Center, where we go to see LA Kings game that holds 20,000 people, was absolutely full watching people play mm. video games. That's huge. And, and I'm, frankly, I'm one when I've got something on, the background, on in the background, usually when uh, I'm doing some work or something like that, of some kind of tournament watching people play. And I'll go back and forth to it, right? This is about BlizzCon. I, I, I kind of want to stick to that, but you can't talk about what happened at BlizzCon without talking about how much a company like that focusing on esports is absolutely paving the way for where we are going to go with esports. And, and yes, I do have a personal vested interest in that becoming successful and, and breaking through that kind of glass ceiling that's, that it's lived in in the underground and becoming more mainstream. But that was one of the key takeaways for me uh, from BlizzCon this weekend was it's here. Yeah, sure. You're, I mean, that company is is on the cutting edge, and they've started to. And and and, and okay, I'm going to look at this from my perspective. Uh, I appreciate and I uh, respect every single thing that they do. They are so calculated in their releases, and everything that they do is absolutely perfect. There is not a single flaw in any of their games. Right. And I've not played all of them, but I will tell you that I did dabble in Warcraft for a little bit when we first met, like a little bit after we first met, uh, when they said, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of branch out and finally get into the console market, and then like it's Overwatch. Now the console gamers are playing Overwatch a little bit, yeah. right? But then as I, as I started playing Overwatch, I got a Battle.net account, and they're like, oh, you should play Hearthstone too, because if you do, you get this thing. It's like, well, I've got my iPad or my phone, and it's a card game, and I play some other card games that are kind of dumb. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble in Hearthstone a little bit, and you know, I start playing Hearthstone. Like, well, my daughter's at gymnastics, and I'm watching her, but not watching her, and I'm kind of playing Hearthstone in the background. And I'm like, wait a minute, and I start to figure it out. Everything they do is kind of connected in a way. Like, well, I don't really like. I, like, I want to play a game on my console, and I want to play a game on my 
my phone, but I don't want to play a PC game. And they do it through fun vanity stuff. Still, but at the same time, I've been having conversations with people that aren't you that play StarCraft religiously. Like, you got to play StarCraft. You like StarCraft. Like, well, it's it's about space and it's about it's about the things that I like. And yeah, I should try that. Well, you also like five v five tournaments or whatever it is. You should try here is the storm. And so it's like I'm sort of invested in in the Blizzard. It's it's a universe. It's Marvel. It's DC. It's Blizzard universe. And so now you've got them basically transcending console games and PC games. So I think what we're getting at is there's people like, well, that's just a PC gamer thing. Now I'm the person that's not a PC gamer that is now intrigued to try all of these games, especially when I see people playing big time games and big time tournaments. And if it's that good and if it's that fun, I kind of want to try it and I kind of want to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will, I will openly admit that nobody that plays any of these games on consoles are competing at the top level. They're all on PCs. Sure. Uh, because it requires that kind of dexterity to have 10 fingers doing 10 different things, uh, whether you're on a mouse or a keyboard or both. You're not going to be able to do that with thumbsticks and triggers. Right. It is what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's no less important to the movement of moving these games forward and getting them more and more popular. It's a lot of fun to drop into Overwatch, play a couple of matches in 20 minutes uh, before you got to go. I mean, that same thing applies to... All of these games, right? But the fact that they are that they are appealing now because of Overwatch to me as a console gamer and as a lapsed War, uh, Warcraft player, that they are now appealing to me as what they offer as their games, knowing full well that all their games are going to be good, and suddenly be like, well, to make me even remotely interested in those games that I would never be able to compete at at a competitive level, but I just want to try them because they're probably fun, that's saying something. Yeah, absolutely, and... I had a great conversation with my dad this past weekend, and and I, this is kind of what I want to sum this up with. Esports, for people that don't really understand it, is very analogous to professional sports as we know. Major League Baseball, NFL, etc. It is people playing a game or a sport at a level that you cannot, and you enjoy watching them do that uh, because... You may learn something. You may just plumb enjoy it. You may see, but you get to see people competing at a level that you cannot perform at. That's what the NFL is. That's what Major League Baseball is. That's what the NBA is. That's what hockey is, right? It's the 1% of the 1%. And that applies to video gamers as well. There are people that are just that effing good at playing these games. Which it, sounds, to the, to, the, to, the, to the casual person, that sounds like that guy just sits in his house and eats Doritos all day and drinks Mountain Dew and just is the best video gamer. No, that's actually a skill. It's just because it, it's not a contact sport right. uh, and doesn't have a ball involved doesn't mean that there's any less amount of dexterity, agility, uh, hand-eye coordination, all of those things that make an athlete an athlete are just as important in gaming as well. Well said. So that's what I really want to close that off on. Uh, BlizzCon was probably the best one of all. I think I've been to six now of the ten. Yeah. Uh, 2009 through about seven of them, I guess. This was the seventh one that I've been to. So it, it gets better and better every year. I This year was specifically special to me because... It, it just because of the refocus, because they do have six titles now between Heroes of the Storm and Overwatch coming out in the last couple of years, it's going to be continued to just grow. And I'm very, very happy with uh, with what they're doing. And it reinvigorated me to go back and revisit a couple of the games that I had kind of forgotten about. Great. 
Okay, so there's some other games we've forgotten about that came out in the mid-80s to late-80s, which are now going to be uh, collected in a tiny box. Do you remember the NES? Mm-hmm. So I still the, have it sitting right over there in that box. So here. do I, but if you want to get the mini NES, and this is the big Nintendo thing that's coming out for the holiday season because they don't have a big new system. Tomorrow. Get, yeah, get the mini NES, which is like a small version of the actual Nintendo NES. It actually looks exactly like it with the actual controller, and it's got 30 games loaded into it. Uh, probably all Nintendo properties. It's not like you can play Super Tecmo Bowl or anything. That's but, all I want to play are the Nintendo properties. Right, but that's coming out tomorrow. And, of course, Nintendo's like, you have to get it right away because it's only limited quantities because that's what Nintendo does is create supply and demand. That's coming out tomorrow. For $60. You get 30 games and a retro console thing for $60. Sure. Is there any better Christmas gift that could possibly come out this year? To to the the lapsed gamer... Sure, but to me, when somebody says buy the NES little mini thing, like I got all the old cartridges that I want to play, and I've got like the 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 fake like uh, uh, other things that I can put a cartridge into. My only complaint about the NES thing, which I probably will get it for my kids just so they can experience that the way it was kind of intended yep. thirty years ago. Uh, my biggest complaint is that there isn't a slot on the top to put old cartridges in. If they figured that out, I would get it. The interesting part about that is that you would have to teach your kids how to blow out the cartridges and slam them into the thing so that it would work properly, right? That's that's how it should be. <laughs> that's how it should be. It's like somebody teaching your kid how to drive a stick shift. All you old gamers that played Nintendo know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, get off my lawn. And look, here's the thing. We like to wrap it up with always something fun yeah. each week. <laughs> yes. And I will tell you this story, which I read. Apparently, there was actually a snake on a plane. What? Yes. There was a snake on a plane. I've seen a Facebook or like a like a article that there was a snake that was coming out of like one of the the uh, the the luggage things that like somebody That's looked fucking over. terrifying. Right. So a bunch of snakes on a motherfucking plane that actually <laughs> happened this week, which oh I think which I think will lead us into our lightning round. Samuel L. Jackson, the star of Snakes on a Plane, may be in I think. 700,522 movies <laughs> in okay. the history of film. Okay. So the lightning round is not best Sam Jackson movies. It's how many can we name as, as quick as possible. Oh, my God. Ready? Go. Uh, Black Snake Moan. Oh, Pulp wow. Fiction. Yep. Um, Negotiator. Uh, the Je- uh, Amos and Andy. Uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Or, oh, yeah, or, was, he, or yeah. was it clones? Yeah, he's in both. He's in both. Okay. Um, oh, I'm stuck. Uh, Jackie Brown. Every, Jackie Brown. Every yes. Quentin Tarantino movie that's not Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah, <laughs> Hateful exactly. Eight, yeah. Uh, 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 Django Unchained. But that's Quentin. Tarantino. Well, you 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 gave me the blanket one day. <laughs> yeah, that's every Tarantino movie. Uh, Deep Blue Sea, the greatest death in all of movies. Oh, is Samuel God, Jackson that's hit, amazing. Being eaten by a shark. Uh, what else was he in? Uh, uh, Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck. Oh, that was a fantastic <laughs> film, though. I love that he's movie. In, uh, he's in Pager Games with Harrison Ford. Oh, I completely yes, forgot yeah, about that see, one. He's in everything. Oh, my God. He's, he's in everywhere. every movie ever. Oh, New Jack City. New Jack City. Com- he's in New Jack City. Yes. He's in Goodfellas. He's the guy that gets killed in Goodfellas. Oh, my God. Yes. You're right. Yes. Oh, so many movies that that guy has been in. Look, you can't have talk about a snake on a plane without. Did we even say snakes on a plane? Well, that's just automatic. Well, that's assumed, right? We led into it from a snakes on a plane story. <laughs> 
But we can all agree that 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 uh, Samuel L. Jackson is one of the oh uh, Kingsman. He's one of the hardest working actors in Hollywood. And from everything I've heard from many people that I know, in fact, a friend of mine is dating his daughter. Nice. Uh, everything I've heard about Samuel L. Jackson is he is the nicest, coolest, most down to earth guy you'd ever expect, and just a humble dude. And uh, uh, more power to him. And uh, uh, he has maybe some of the greatest, most quotable lines in movie history. Again, all from Tarantino, but still. Tarantino in an interview is, is on record that I've, I've personally watched saying that he writes parts in movies specifically for Samuel L. Jackson. And he is the inspiration for a lot of where those characters come from because there is no one else that can play those roles. So if you look at Django, yep. you look at Hateful Eight, if you look at several of the other, if you look at Pulp Fiction, yep. those roles were written for Samuel L. Jackson. That's it. I agree. And it's funny that he didn't show up in the Kill Bills for some reason. He just, I feel like he should I have I never been. thought about that. That's very interesting. I wonder if almost they were older scripts that got dug up. I don't know. Uh, after he got uh, Pulp Fiction out the door. And there's probably one other thing about the guy that we have to, we have to bring up. There's nobody in film history that uses the MFR better than Samuel L. Jackson. And with that said, that's going to be the motherfucking end to this motherfucking <laughs> podcast. Um, as always, I am your host, Nick Howell. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I'm Andy Nelson at AndyNelson76 on Twitter as well. That's going to do it for us this week, guys. Later! Bye!